Hello and welcome to the podcast of First Congregational United Church of Christ in DeWitt, Iowa. I am Pastor Chris, and no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here, and we are glad that you are here. This week on the podcast, because I was on vacation and did not manage to get everything done that I had hoped to get done once I got back, we have just podcast worship, taken as usual from the video recording of our live worship service on Sunday morning. My usual reminder here at the top that if you like what you hear, it would be really, really helpful if you could rate and review this podcast and share it with other folks. That will help more people hear this podcast and find our other stuff and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and get to know our community here in DeWitt a little bit better and maybe even find a community for themselves. Thank you so much for joining us. And with that, let's get started. Let's take a moment to prepare ourselves for worship, to prepare our minds and our bodies, our spirits, and our space to come before our Lord and Savior. And we'll do that by taking three deep breaths. Take one deep breath and become aware of God's presence all around you. No matter where we are, we are surrounded by the love of God, but when we are together in worship in this place, we want to be especially mindful of that. Take a second deep breath and be filled with a spirit of gratitude. Whenever we are united in worship, whether we are together here or watching the video later or listening to the podcast, we are united together as one body by one Holy Spirit. And for that, we can be thankful. And take a third deep breath and lay aside any thoughts or feelings that might stand in the way of being fully present in worship. You might need to pick up those thoughts and feelings again later, and that is perfectly fine. But for the next little while, let's set those things aside so that we can be fully present here and now. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise them from the heights. Praise them, all their angels. Praise them, all their hosts. Praise Praise the Lord from the earth, you monsters of the sea and the deeps. Praise them, kings and rulers. For the Lord has raised up a horn for his people. Let us pray. Creator God, you have set the stars in their places and the earth in its orbit. You have called forth creatures great and small wild animals and creeping things and flying birds. You have established seasons and appointed your festivals. Be with us now as we join together to worship you, O God. Amen. Come and praise the name of the Lord. For their name alone is exalted. Their glory is above earth and heaven. Praise the Lord. 
This morning's reading comes from Acts, chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see what the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now, All the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in the front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them on an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhibit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, And of this, he has given assurance to all by rising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, We will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them. But some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. On the one hand, we live in a world that is rotten with gods. When I was very young, in one classroom or another, every school day started with the entire class standing up and putting our hands over our hearts and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. It was a whole classroom, maybe even a whole school, full of children promising our faith and our fidelity to a flag and a republic under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, in monotonous unison. And anyone who didn't want to participate in that pledge, anyone who was saving their faith and their fidelity for something else, could sit in the hall and wait. But I don't remember anyone ever doing that. 
And I know that some people have fond memories and strong feelings about the pledge, but it's just a little creepy, right? Partly because a group of children speaking in monotonous unison is always a little creepy, right? But also partly because it was an almost religious ritual. It was an almost worshipful act. (coughs) And also partly because we know how easy it is for patriotism to slide into nationalism. Because we know how easy it is to go from reciting a well-meaning pledge to bowing down before the altar of an infallible state. Because we have lived under repressive regimes, or read about them in history books, or watched the news. And we live in a world that is rotten with gods. We bow down before all sorts of altars of ideologies and media networks, of markets and careers and treasures on earth, of of parties and pleasures of the flesh, of power and privilege and prestige. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that we should not like things. I'm not saying that we should not be fans. I'm just noticing how easy it is for that to slide into worship. I'm just noticing how easy it is to let those things rule over us. I'm just noticing how easy it is for those things to become more important than anything else at all. In our scripture for today, Paul is waiting for Timothy and Silas to arrive in Athens. And Paul is killing time, doing what Paul does. He is arguing with Jews in the synagogue and philosophers in the marketplace. And arguing with philosophers is a blessing and a curse. Because the thing about arguing with philosophers, and I say this from experience, is that we are interested in what you have to say. So these philosophers take him to the Areopagus, more famously known as Mars Hill, the place where they used to hold trials about murder and battery and olive tree arson and religious matters, so that Paul can argue with more people. And Paul knows that Athens is rotten with God. There are household gods and the gods of every household. There are the gods of the city and the people and the empire. There are the gods of romance and medicine and war and death. An offering here for the planting and here for the harvest. A sacrifice here for victory and here for recovery. An altar here to Athena and here to Hephaestus and here to an unknown God. So Paul says to these people, these philosophers, these Athenians, these folks who are eager to hear new things, Paul says to these people, Athenians, I see how devout you are. 
I have walked the streets of this city and I have seen altar on altar on altar. I even saw an altar to an unknown God. And that tells me that you are on the right track. That tells me that you are looking for the right thing. That tells me that you are in search of something great. So let me tell you about this God who you do not know. In the beginning. And he tells these people about the God who we know, who called the worlds into being and shaped every living thing, who set the sun and moon on their courses and breathed life into us, who does not live in temples or ask us for food, but who gives the world to us as a gift who calls us to search for them. And when we find that so difficult, who comes and finds us. And he tells these people that this God has set a time when the world will be judged by the Christ who they have appointed. And he tells these people that God has assured us of this by raising this Christ from the dead. And it works. A little bit. Some people believe. And some people think that this is a bold claim, and a very bold claim, and an extremely bold claim, and that they need to hear more. And some people scoff. But everyone has one more God to think about. On the one hand, we live in a world that is rotten with gods. On the other hand, we are desperately searching, we are desperately groping among these gods for someone who can give us meaning, for someone in whom we can live and move and have our being. We look for it in patriotism and nationalism, in ideologies and media networks, in markets and careers and treasures on earth, in parties and pleasures of the flesh, in power and privilege and prestige, and in so much more. And when I say we, I mean me. And when I say we, I mean us, the people in this congregation. And when I say we, I mean everybody. We all sometimes slip from liking things to worshiping them. We all sometimes slide from being fans of things to bowing down at their altars. We all look for meaning. We all grope for meaning in things that... in things that... well... I want to say that we look for meaning in things that cannot provide meaning. And that's probably true. We accept fuzzy facsimiles of meaning. We settle for something that looks just enough like meaning if we tilt our heads and squint our eyes and use our imaginations. We roll with comforting lies and reassuring illusions, but it's also true that we look for meaning in things that provide dangerous meanings. I had a whole other thing I was going to do here. 
If you look up this sermon on the website, you will see a whole other thing that I was going to do here. And then yesterday, a guy drove for hours to go to a Topps Friendly Market grocery store in Buffalo. He was 18 years old. He shot 13 people, 11 of whom were black. It was a predominantly black neighborhood, 10 of whom died. And I want to read from an article because this is important. Because it would be nice to think that this was a one-off thing. Some guy just went a little and did something terrible. But investigators are reviewing a screed that they suspect was posted by the gunman describing his white supremacist motivations and ideology. The 180-page document was uploaded to Google Drive and details the author's radicalization on internet forums as well as a plan to target a predominantly black neighborhood. The author calls himself a white supremacist, fascist, and anti-Semite. The document is centered on a conspiracy theory that posits that the white population in Western countries is being reduced or replaced by immigrants in a deliberate plot. The author cites the gunman who killed 51 people in New Zealand as an inspiration for the attack. And the author also mentions the gunman who killed nine worshipers in an attack on a black church in Charleston in 2015. And I'm telling you that because it is a tragedy and we should remember those who were shot and those who were frightened and those who suffered and those who died in our prayers. But also because there are people on national stages and big media networks with power and privilege and prestige, even in churches, even at political rallies who make the same claims about replacement theory, who bow down at the same altar of white supremacy. This gunman was not alone. It didn't just happen. He might have found this on the internet. He might have bowed down on the internet, but it is other places too. And we might like to think that it's not in DeWitt. And I hope that it's not in DeWitt. I pray that it's not in DeWitt. But the internet comes here too. Media networks come here too. Politicians talk here too. Stuff shows up. And while it is important to pay attention to that right now, I will remind you that we live in a world that is rotten with gods. And plenty of them are asking us to bow down at their altars, to make sacrifices, 
occasionally figurative sacrifices and occasionally literal sacrifices in exchange for dangerous meanings. Today we are celebrating a baptism, and I recognize that is a weird segue. But a baptism is both a welcome and a reminder. See, we practice infant baptism here, and while Caroline is no longer an infant, she is still too young to fully understand what has happened to her. She is too young to fully understand what she has just gotten herself into. And that's okay. Because none of us, when we were baptized or when we were confirmed or when we walk into this sanctuary or when we invoke God, understand what we've gotten ourselves into. We are all here worshiping at the altar of an unknown God who we hear in the words of the prophets and the sheer silence between mountains who we see in the life of a crucified and risen Savior, who does not live in temples or ask us for food, but who gives this world to us as a gift, who is not the God of the city or the people or the empire, who is not the God of romance or medicine or war or death, who is the God who is love who calls us to search for them. And when we find that so difficult, who comes and finds us? Even though we do not understand what that means, even though we cannot understand what that means, and it is maybe our faith in that God, who is known and unknown, who asks for nothing and for everything, who is so far away and right next to us and within every one of us, whose altar is the pleading face and the outstretched hand. It is maybe our faith in that God that keeps us from worshiping those other gods, from rolling with comforting lies and reassuring illusions, from adopting dangerous Meanings. It is maybe our faith in that God that offers us the true and fulfilling meaning of a life lived in love that makes us human and that will, in the end, lead the God who is love to judge the world with love. Hallelujah. Amen. Please join me in a moment of silent reflection. Please join me in the spirits of prayer. God, who we know and who we do not know. God, who we apprehend but cannot comprehend. 
God who calls the worlds into being and calls us to search for you. And when that proves so difficult, comes and finds us. We live in a world that is rotten with gods. We live in a world full of things full of things that we can fall into worshiping. Full of things that we can fall into bowing down before their altars. We know that you are the one God, the creator and sustainer of all that is the giver of life, the redeemer of the world. And we know how easy it is to wander into dark alleys and hidden passageways and find those altars to other gods. And sometimes that is just inconvenient. Sometimes that is downright deadly. And so we ask you, O God, to call to us, to give us light, to let us hear your voice, to let us follow you, to help us follow you, and when we are off track, to come and find us and lead us back to you. For living in you is living in life. Living in you is living in love. And it is through you that we become human, that we become who we are called to be, that this whole world becomes what it is called to be. Gracious God, we come before you today with many things on our hearts. We have joys, we have sorrows, we have worries, we have certainties, we have doubts, we have sheer lack of belief. We bring these all to you in prayer. Some of us with certainty in the efficacy of prayer, some of us unsure if we are doing anything, and we offer them, that you might celebrate with us and mourn with us, that you might humble us and exalt us, and that we might find comforts and peace and life and love in you. And so we ask you, O oh God, to hear these, the prayers of your people. For the family of, can you say the name again? I'm sorry. Bill Elijah. Bill Elijah, who was killed in an accident on Friday. Prayers for Bill that he might be at home with you. Prayers for family and friends and caregivers and all who loved him. That they might find comfort in you and in one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. <laughs> Prayers that you might help us live life in love and that through that we might share others, show others what is possible. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
prayers for all of the recent graduates from high schools and universities and eighth grades and kindergartens and everything. Prayers that they might find a good future. Prayers that we might put some faith in them, that they might lead us to a better world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers for us as we see gun violence all around us, death on death on death, and we don't know what to do. Guide us in the right direction. Show us a path forward that we might end this violence, that we might find peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Prayers for our students who are growing anxious about being away from their routines and the safety of school this summer. Prayers that everyone might have a safe place to go. Prayers that everyone might have an affirming place to go. Prayers that everyone might find a place and a community of love and of care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, there are prayers that we can speak aloud and shout on the streets. And there are prayers that we keep between you and us. There are prayers that are on the tips of our tongues, if only we could find the words. There are prayers buried so deep within us we don't even know they're there. Search us and know us, O God. Find those prayers within us and hear us as we take a moment for silent prayer. God who we know and who we do not know. God who is far away and close to us and within every one of us. God who we apprehend but cannot comprehend. Hear these prayers. Hear these prayers and answer them in the ways that are best for us at the times that are best for us and give us the faith to trust that you are always with us, guiding us and upholding us as we walk this path of life. And when we wander, call us back to you. Lead us back to you. Come and find us little lost sheep and bring us home. We pray all of these things and more in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That brings us to the end of the episode. As always, if you liked what you heard, it would be great if you could rate and review this podcast and share it with other folks. If you would like to get to know First Congregational United Church of Christ better, please pay a visit to our website at uccdewitt.org. That's u-c-c-d-e-w-i-t-t dot o-r-g. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to reach me, Pastor Chris, you can do that by emailing pastor at uccdewitt.org, and you can send suggestions and ideas for the podcast to podcast at uccdewitt.org. This podcast and all of the ministries of First Congregational United Church of Christ are only possible because people like you support them. So if you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to consider making a gift to the church, and you can do that easily and securely on our website, uccdewitt.org, where you will also find instructions on how to give through the mail or through Venmo. Our music includes Funkarama by Kevin McLeod and Jim Napedes, numbers one and two by Eric Satie, performed by Kevin McLeod, and you can find those tunes at incompetech.filmmusic.io. There are links in the episode notes. Thank you again for joining us. And with that, we live in a world that is rotten with gods, who offer us dangerous meanings. And we live in a world that is filled with the spirit of the living God who offers us abundant life, steadfast love, and endless grace. Go forth with faith in the truth that has been given to you. Even when you did not know God, God found you and claimed you and brought you to life. Thanks be to God. We are children of the living God, and we are children brought to life. Let us go into the world sharing the good news that we have received, that we are loved and worthy of love, that God is not done with this yet, and that the kingdom is all around us, and that we are all welcome. May the blessing of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit One God, Mother of us all, be with you now and always. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Amen.